You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Matt Adams, I'm Dave Griffiths. Glad to have you along for the ride. Quite an eventful week as the Colts trim the roster down to 53. That, that, that's the main, main topic of our discussion today, right, guys? The, sure. The, uh, 53 Who's the 53rd player? Well, yeah, well there's, a, there's some player on the uh, 54th or 55th, depending on how you, how you view this whole thing, who's on PUP, that is going to steal a lot of our attention today. Jonathan Taylor is still with the Colts. Uh, the, uh, the team-imposed Tuesday deadline of a trade to be worked out uh, did not fall through. We will uh, – did fall through, excuse me, and uh, did not uh, give anything for, for either side, for Taylor, for the Colts, uh, whatever. So um, we, we had Shane Steichen and a couple players talking today, uh, Thursday, as we, as we tape this podcast, but, but the, 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 the prime topic of discussion has to be with Chris Ballard, general manager, and what he had to say this week uh, on Wednesday. And, and Chappie spoke with us for, I don't know, 40 minutes, 40, 50 minutes. And I think Jonathan Taylor probably took about 30 or 40 uh, minutes of that time. And, and he made a point later in, in, in his discussion with us saying that, you know, there's a lot of good things that have happened uh, in this preseason, whatever, for the team. And, and, but it's all overshadowed. And he points it out, and rightly so. Like, it, it needs to be overshadowed because of the, uh, the caliber of player Jonathan Taylor is, the uh, level uh, of competition that he brings to this roster, and the uh, the the um, just the ability that he has to uh, to help out uh, everyone on this team, but in particular the the quarterback that you're trying to bring along in uh, in the best way possible. Yeah, what did he say? Let's talk about the elephant. Let's talk, right off the bat, let's talk right. About the Which, I mean, he gave us a few things. We're going to be a young team and this, that, and the other. And I said, okay, let's talk about the elephant. And it's I had hoped there there would have been a resolution, one way or the other, and it, all they did was hit the pause button. Nothing's changed. Uh, at, at some point, and we've talked about it, at some point he has to practice. He, he has to practice and either or, or not, I guess. I, I, there, to me, there's no way this team's going to let him stay on PUP all year. I, I, that's crazy. You know, for, he gets paid, but his, his contract holds. It does him no good. So at some point, and that's the next, next flash point that, I, that I've talked about, is that with him – Either, either passing the physical and then swallowing his pride and then playing because it, it, it'll take some of that. The team's not going to change its stance. So, and then him saying, "Okay, what I need to do is, is show that I'm healthy. Go out there and rush for what, whatever a truncated 13-game season tr- turns out to be, and, and then we'll see." And, and his fear, obviously, is they're going to franchise him next year, which. That's, that's it's a legitimate fear. It, it is, but that's that's a leverage. That's a tool that the team has. That that's what players gave owners to get something else. So that's what was curious is is I thought Chris did a really good job of, of stating their view, but not getting real specific. You know, yeah, there were some teams involved. We're not going to get into what was offered, what wasn't offered. But what was really curious is how he responded to the injury and why we're still here i've talked to someone and and i'm and i'm convinced that that the team believes he's healthy this is a hold-in do you really think the miami dolphins or green bay would have would have arranged the deal unless they had some assurance from taylor that he was healthy so but what he said is the player is still complaining of 
pain in his ankle. That's not the same as saying he's still hurt. Right. So th- it's that, a little different. Right. So and the flashpoint will be when the team says, "Okay, you know, you're four weeks on pup. The window's open to be out there to play." And and he says he's still not healthy. That that's when it'll be the team. And I, you know, they did this with Eric, Eric, Eric Dickerson back in the '90s. He refused to practice, and they suspended him. And it was a four-game suspension. It was appealed, and the, and the league, however it was back then, it was upheld to three games without pay. So we'll see, but this week solved nothing. Yeah, and you bring up kind of what's next down the road, and and that's that's kind of what uh, what our attention turns to with Taylor now, since there is, as you say, absolutely no resolution now, nothing. Like there's other than he's 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 out for the first four weeks. Right, we we know that. So so four weeks down the road, what then? Um, and between now and then, I mean, it was a Colts-imposed Tuesday deadline. But but they, now he could be could traded. Trade tomorrow. He could be traded right now as we're Correct. on this podcast. And, 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 and then l- we have l- to, l- let me check my phone. We have to start over again. You know, that, that, that could very much happen. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Uh, you're going to have to start, re- restart everything and, and set it all. But um, but that's like that. That's that's obviously something that will be continuous between now and then. But but. Then four weeks down the road, and he can't practice right now. Like if you're on Correct. pop, yeah, you, it's not just that you can't play games. I want all of our viewers. He will or rehab listeners. here. He cannot right. be on the practice field with the team. Right. So that's what Shane Steichen said that he would rehab here, because that's obviously a question since he wasn't always here during training camp. Uh, but but Matt, this is a it's a it's a situation that as Chap said has kind of hit the pause button. And if you look down the road, if the status quo remains, it has the potential to get even more nasty than it was during training camp. Yeah, they, they've essentially kicked the can for another another few weeks, and we're going to have to keep talking about this. I you know at, at this point, you know as as a fan and and such, you just wonder is this worth the the hassle of it and. How big of a distraction this is, is this to the the team? You know, it's just it's bad vibes all the way around. Yeah, and, and for for a guy to be still complaining of pain in his ankle for a surgery that typically takes two to four weeks, six weeks at the most, to come back from is if he if he is telling the truth. Let, let's throw that out there. I know, chap, you said that you've talked to person, you have a source, you have a story online right now, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Check it out. That says the Colts believe. The medical staff believes he should have passed a physical in July. There you go. That's specific. Exactly what they said. So it so it is it should be concerning if he is actually still complaining of pain. That that would be concerning for for a uh, a surgery that was that long ago. And like you said, what team would trade for a running back and give up valuable resources for a running back that is still complaining of pain for a surgery that should have taken that should have been done way in the past that should be completely in the rearview mirror by now. So uh, I read an article today and I can't remember where it was for the life of me so I apologize but it was uh, somebody who talked with an, an NFL agent who said that his advice to Jonathan Taylor would be to be on the field and show that you're healthy Correct. because because that's that's what you have to do right now if you're Taylor you have to be able to prove that you're healthy if you want a team to give up any sort of package any sort of value for you and the Colts aren't just gonna as Chris Ballard said yesterday he's not gonna let him walk out the door just for nothing because that's what's that's not good for I the Colts. They I thought they might have done that you thought so? Just, yes. just to get the distraction and mm-hmm. so that this player won't negatively impact the roster, the right. locker room. But he made it very clear that you know, this player, it, it, it sounds, when you boil it down to what is, is really at issue, this player is a, is a significant asset to the team. They're not going to just give it away. 
Right. And, and, and Bao just reiterated that, made sure we all knew that uh, for sure. He said, if you, if you don't stand for something, you'll stand for nothing, was, was another one of his great lines uh, from the press conference with us, as well as, uh, it sucks. It sucks for Jonathan. It sucks for the Colts. It sucks for everybody, It sucks right? for the yes. fans. It <laughs> and sucks for podcasts. It sucks for the podcast. <laughs> it sucks for the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Yes, it sucks for the NFL. It sucks for everybody, uh, the, the way it, it has gone down. It's been unfortunate the way it has gone down. Now. Uh, I thought one of the more intriguing things that Chris was kind of d- d- explaining was why th- now is not the right time to extend Jonathan Taylor. Because this is something we've talked about throughout the summer, that really both sides, uh, as dug in as they are, have legitimate arguments. W- w- for, which is why it's hard to resolve it. Exactly, for, for what they're doing. And, he, and Ballard explained the Colts' point of view for why it is not right to sign him right now. And I think he really had two main points, Mike, is that Number one, you won four games last year, so and that's all he said. But after that, you can say, well, your team wasn't very good last year, so they're evaluating exactly which pieces are valuable enough. But at that point, you would think Jonathan Taylor is a valuable piece if he's right. healthy. Let me throw that out there. Right. And number two, which uh, could be could be the more likely version of why Jonathan Taylor has not been signed yet is Ballard said, "There's a new coaching staff that is coming." Bingo. In. Mm-hmm. And that's what you think, right? Right off the top, would be the the main reason why you would not sign a, a running back to a long term contract is if Shane Steichen has come in and said, "Well, let a, a little more woe than giddy up. Let's see what we can do. Let's see what uh, see what, what value he is. Let's Correct. see what we've got." And then, or just from his if his um, his philosophy in general is could be, well, running backs are great, but they're not that great, and we should uh, give our resources elsewhere. That's something that, uh, that is a Ballard, Steichen, and Ursay, the whole triumvirate would have to decide, I think, together collectively. And Shane Steichen, being the guy who's coming in to, to be a big part in fixing what the other two were a part of in the past, going 4-12 right. and 12 a year ago, you bring in this new blood to say, hey, help us fix this, and he says something about how he likes roster construction, you kind of have to go along with what he says at the beginning of his, uh, his tenure here, at least. Or why is he here? Don't bring him in and then undercut him when he says, you know, you know, whether it's a quarterback or whatever position, again, having a new set of eyes on this team is not a bad thing. It, it gives you, it gives you again, a fresh perspective. And he may say, hey, Taylor may be a great player, but let's see if he's healthy. Or, like you said, maybe, maybe he thinks, I don't need a top three, which I still think Taylor is, running back. I can get by with a, you know, Miles Sanders, I don't know what draft pick he was, but he rushed for 1,200 yards last year. If this team could get somebody rushed for 1,200 yards, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Zach Moss or Deion Jackson, who's who've never done that before. Right, exactly. Who've never done that before. But so that I, I've always gone to the and we're and we're never going to know. They're never going to tell us that. Well, you know, Shane just doesn't. He's not blown away by JT. I'm right. not saying that's the case, but we're never going to hear that. I just think we can't dismiss the four win thing. Okay, what if he win four games this year? You're not going to resign anybody, right? So, but but I understand what he was saying, and then because uh, he he mentioned this when we talked to him pre-camp, he, he mentioned these and he said, oh by the way, he also has an injury, which again I think the, I think the injury goes away if the Colts sign him to a three-year, forty million dollar tomorrow. Psh, it's gone. Pretty, it's, boy, that ankle feels pretty good right now. <laughs> but I I think that this is, and I've said this before, this is the most imperfect storm. For Jonathan Taylor, everything is working against him. All he's got going for him is is just a great player and he's 24. Everything else is against him. And to me, the only way this is resolved is for somebody to change their stance. It's not going to be the Colts. So he's got to – 
he's got to do something, some soul searching. You know, October 31st is the deadline for trades. Although, again, they can trade tomorrow. But also, the, the PUP rule, and we were going over this in the press room yesterday. To, for him to stay on PUP all year, he gets paid. But the contract tolls. Now, what does that mean when the contract it means, tolls? It means we're back here in the next offseason, and, and he owes him one year at $4.3 million. So he has to be activated. He has to be put on the active roster so he gets at least six games towards free agency. So do the math on when he needs to be on, be on the active roster. But if, he's, if he doesn't get six games on the active roster, mm-hmm. here we are again. It's like Thanksgiving or just after Thanksgiving right. is what it would have so to be. So, again, he, he will – for everybody's point, he needs to be really on the active roster about two weeks after, after that pup window opens or it really gets nasty. Yeah. Let's not let's not even envision that right now, you know. It, I think it's I think it's but legit. It's there, but exactly. it's, it's there but I, no. we've got other stuff to worry about. Exactly. I think it's legit for us to bring it up right now because now everybody's thinking what's next? And and what's next with Jonathan Taylor? Like I I said to you earlier, Matt, it could it could be nastier than it is now. So I mean, you're you're certainly hoping that's not happening. And and Mike, you make the point that um that everything seems to be working against Jonathan Taylor right now. And and you're right. But I think I would also counter that with, like, Taylor hasn't done much to help himself. Because if you want to be out, if you want to leave, if you want to be traded, you you, you need to be on the field. Prove, prove you're ready and you can play. And, and and all the starters were playing in this preseason. Like, he would have been out there with, uh, if, if, he's per, per, if he is healthy, he would have been out there with Anthony Richardson. He could have been here throughout this entire summer through OTAs and could have been, like, at his best if he's healthy. And it could have been the same in training camp. And, like, you could have uh, shown that you're healthy. You could have shown that you're back to your 20, uh, 2021 form. But but he hasn't done that. Like, he hasn't been there. He hasn't helped himself to getting what he wants and getting out of here or getting a contract at this point. Either one. Either one. What, what or the other. Neither no, His actions have not helped him is what it seems like to me. And I, I still think if he's healthy, like you said, he's a top three running back in this league. He is an incredibly valuable offensive weapon. He's a unique weapon in the fact that his speed is, he is one of the fastest players in the NFL. Every year, like he's up there, he, what, what, what did he hit? Like 23 miles per hour as a ball carrier, which he was- He has like two or three of the fastest The 2021 plays. season, yeah, was ridiculous. He had like three, so the he had top three five of the top five or, right. as the top- fastest ball carrier three of the top five and i remember when we asked him about it he brought up uh, isaac garendo who was a guy at uh, at wisconsin who actually went to avon high school right here in central indiana he's like he hit like 24 or 25 and, and i'm, I'm a, trying you've to got hit a good that. memory I, well well i do because i did a story on isaac okay. garendo after that that that's why I, I i remember it like why he brought this up so like but all, all that to say he has a he is a unique talent at 24 years, years old he has a career ahead of him and Yes, there are forces working against him here, whether it's what the NFL views uh, running backs uh, specifically and in terms of other running backs who have hit what he is about to hit at the end of his rookie contract and either getting franchised or not, right. but he has not helped himself to take the next step in his career this offseason. Yeah, I, I've always – I've never liked it when during this people from the outside try to devalue him as a right. player. That's crazy. It's stupid. It's, it's ridiculous. Don't do that. He, he, is, he is that special. And I disagree with some people. I don't think he's trying to reset the running back market. I just don't. He's trying to get his. Good for him. And I agree with you there. And I, I really don't believe Ursay's trying to keep a cap on the running back market so that other owners – I just don't believe that. I think I think they've taken a stance. I don't think – you know, I think Ballard said yesterday that the market is what it is and all that. 
I just don't think they're that concerned about pumping up the market again. This is such a unique situation. Yeah, one has to be true for the other to be true in that sense. Jonathan has to be trying to reset the market for Jim Ursay then to be trying to keep him uh, out. And, and we, neither of us believe that he is trying to reset the market. Like, like you said earlier, like if, if the Colts offered him a three-year, $40 million contract right now, uh, that's $13.5 million a year. I think there would still be three or four running backs making more than him in a per-year basis. Right. Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey being a couple of them. Like that, then that that ankle would feel feel a lot better, a lot quicker, uh, in, in that sense. So, um, so yeah, what what a fun discussion. What what a well, fun it, thing it, that keeps going forward. There were so many, and we'll it, it, uh, yeah, yeah. Pardon me, but it's probably on this list, and I just, I just it, it, it may not be. You I'm never like, know. <laughs> I'm like the guy in in, in high school. That you're supposed to read things before you start writing, and I never read through the end of things. But one of the questions that was really interesting because I thought Ballard did a really good job of avoiding a lot of specifics. But Kevin Bowen asked him about not having JT. Is that going to impede the progress of your rookie quarterback? And he so, he so almost started to say something, and then he caught himself. Sort of like, no, you know, this we're going to work through this and whatever else. Of course it's going to limit. Right. It's going to limit his progress because you're going from Jonathan Taylor, a 2021 rushing champ, franchise record holder, to what Zach Moss maybe if he, if his broken arm is healthy <laughs> yeah. he was out on the practice yes, field today yes he was yes he no, was I, I, uh, no cast. I think there's a chance I think there's and he was catching some balls he's got a chance or Deion Jackson Evan Hall I I don't tell me that that not having again they, I go back to July when when Ursay kept mentioning well you know Peyton Manning had had Marshall Falk so so they know they know the importance of that. It's just that he can't say, yeah, but we're really screwing our quarterback with this. You can't say that. They know internally that not having JT is going to impede how good this offense can be because they've got questions elsewhere in its skill positions. Yeah, d- defenses will play you differently when, when Jonathan Taylor's on the so field. That read option is a whole different beast when Jonathan Taylor's out there. Yeah, and, and I think Anthony Richardson is going to be a weapon in the read option game. He sure has looked the part when he has scrambled, when he has run and throughout the preseason. Uh, things get different and tougher mm-hmm. in the regular season, no doubt about it, but but he's going to be tough too. Like it, It's going to be tough for, for other teams uh, lo- looking at him. So uh, you want two weapons there in the backfield on the read option. Heck, heck, you want three or four as you want to throw to Pittman or you want to throw to Drew Ogletree out there in, in, in the read option game. So, um, so I, it, it's it's just it's it's impossible to to say with a straight face if you're the Colts that not having Jonathan Taylor there does not impede. I know that's like a triple negative right there, uh, but 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 I hope you all follow me. Does not impede the the progress of Anthony. Richardson. It's a player's game. It exactly. just is. You can scheme all you want. It's still a player's game. Yeah. Um. So let's see here. There there were a couple of uh trade offers reportedly from the Dolphins and the Packers. Um, but uh, I think I also heard that nobody, uh, if the Colts wanted a first round pick, well, they didn't even get a second round uh, pick in, in, in the offer. Those, those were the reports uh, coming out of both the Dolphins and Packers camp. And whether they wanted to give, give specific picks or players in return, you know, if they wanted to send one of their own running backs back, could have gotten Raheem Mostert, the, uh, the former Purdue Boilermaker, bo- toot toot, let's go, uh, from, um, from, from the Dolphins or something like that, you know. But, um, but, but the, whatever it was, it, it was not appealing to, to Chris Ballard. And so, and so here we are. So here we are. I, I was told they, 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 he said we weren't offered a one, not even a two. Okay. And what's funny is you, then you read, then stuff starts coming out. I thought I, I read that Miami's GM said, well, we really never offered anything. 
We, ne- we never got to the point. Okay. Like we never had any serious talks about this. We, right. we just had exploratory talks. Well, mm-hmm. that's, I don't know if you're trying to say we, we like our roster. We weren't going to give away because there was talk about Jalen Waddle. The Colts wanted Jalen Waddle. Well, wouldn't you? I would love Jalen Waddle. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't ask for their, their key special teams player for right. crying out loud. So th- that's why it's, it's as much as it's good for us and the speculation for, for things to be leaked or told, whatever. It's not good for negotiations. It, it was never good for Jim Mercy to come out from his beautiful motorhome and first say we're not whatever was said in there was private, and then he spilled. Then just much, kept going. Just yeah. kept going. But but it it because the problem is that and, and Ballard sort of mentioned this yesterday of how you get emotions involved and you get emotions involved and it's just it just kills negotiations and it's obvious to me that taylor has to me taylor has felt betrayed we've all wrote about it and the colts talked about it chris ballard talked about you know you know admitting that there's interest in re-signing jt back in back last year and even in january somebody asked me said yeah with your star players that's what you do and i at some point whether it was april or may after he talked to us about this is taylor after he said you know i signed my contract, pen to paper, four years, blah, blah. After that, he was told, well, we're not going to give you an extension. And that's when it hit the fan. Mm-hmm. It did. He changed agents and and did it. And one thing, again, we can just continue to harp on, this is not agent-driven. It's not. This is JT-driven. And anyone who thinks that will blame the agent, no. I mean, the agent is his mouthpiece. And, and Jonathan Taylor is a brilliant person. He is. He's driving all this, and that's why he's he's going to have to, to to soften his stance. He just is. The team's not. The team's not going to do it. So he has to, at some level, say, "Okay, you know, I, you know, I, I tried. I, I, I did my best. It didn't happen." Now, like you said, the only way to prove you're worth whatever, even even the franchise tag next year, is to go out and play them and, and be productive. Yeah, and and somebody has to kind of eat a little crow in this situation. And, and can, like you the said. Team, the, the Colts aren't, but team. can you see JT? And, and that's, that's, that's something that, that was also discussed kind of in the, uh, in, in the press room. Like, I, I, I wish that ever, we should just put like a mic in the middle of the press room. That would be its own podcast. You'd, you'd need the cough button, though, because there's a lot of <laughs> words being thrown around. Right. But, uh, but we would, like, uh, about Taylor, what, what could happen, this is, this is something that I think, I, I think it's possible. It's just kind of off the wall a little bit. Would be for if Taylor wanted to save face at all in this situation, he would fire his agent again. I like that idea. That get you a new agent. There. You get a new agent, and then show up. So, suddenly, like, everything is fixed. Exactly. So well, like, it, so was, it was the agent's fault. The agent took it right. too far, and all that. But yeah. but again, like we, I say that that that's the path you could go down. But it's not a path necessarily that I think many people would believe. Because like you said, Jonathan Taylor is the brains behind this operation. He's the one who's, who made the decision in the first place, place to change agents. But He's, people don't believe the injury thing anyway. Right, so we're yeah. at the point that we right. don't believe anything. Exactly. Yeah, I, Don't believe anything. We're, you know, we're, we're reading body language while he looks like wearing his hoodie during practice. Every practice, it's a, it's a black hoodie. It's the sunglasses. I, 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 do, I do feel that's a little bit why... Ballard tried to strike a little bit of a conciliatory note yesterday to just kind of leave that door open just a little bit. And then when he says, you know, relationships are repairable, well, 
you don't repair something unless it's broken down. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good point. I asked, I asked David. He said, "No." Did you ever see War War of the Roses, the movie? I haven't. It's Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner, and they end up both killing themselves at the end. They were divorced, and they cut their. It, that seems like where this relationship is. Although again, stick around long enough, and things change. But for things to change, somebody has to. There has to be compromise, and so far there's been zero compromise. Yeah. Until until one side takes a step toward the other, we're dug in right now. And, and they're in the trenches. Exactly. So so here we are. Uh, we're dug in, and I'm sure that we'll talk about it over the next couple weeks um, here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. But uh, but that's where we are, and I don't think that there's there's too much more that we can get into with, uh, with the Taylor situation right now. It just sucks the oxygen out of the room it just sucks it just sucks, it, 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 yes. it just sucks. It, but he's right it's amazing how you've got a rookie quarterback and we've written about richardson mm -hmm. we have we've talked about him mm -hmm. but it's still been secondary to this yep and, and it should really after steichen named richardson his his quarterback we should have been number five all the time mm -hmm. and we weren't we we, we we weren't and we couldn't be and what, what Chris Ballard said as we turn, uh, kind of uh, shift the focus to, to the rest of the team um, was something I alluded to earlier, that there's been a lot of other positive things going on with this Colts roster. And the very first, the very first thing he mentioned was not the quarterback. It was not. And Chap knows, because I told you I was going to say this earlier on this podcast, the very first thing that Chris Ballard mentioned about the positives with this team was the left tackle, was yes. Bernard Ryman. We were talking. I didn't notice him. And that's the best thing you could say about exactly. him this preseason. I never noticed him once. Like, unlike Quentin Nelson, who had a couple penalties in this preseason, it was not his best preseason. And this entire offensive line is going to have some awkward moments because they have a unique quarterback. Ryman talked about this to me in the locker room after the Eagles game, saying, like, you have to learn, like, you've got to hold on this guy. And if all of a sudden he jerks one way, you got to let him go. Yeah, you got to disengage. Because Otherwise, the, the exactly, laundry's coming out. Yeah, if Richardson's scrambling out to his left side trying to get around Which Ryan is going to happen this yeah, year. Yes. And we, we already saw it in the preseason a couple of times. Yes. And, like, you got to let him go. So so that's something that he's learning. It, it's a lot different than blocking for uh, for Matt Ryan, that's for sure, <laughs> who is not going to run except for that one time. That one time. 39 yards. That one glorious run uh, the other year, which was their longest run of the season for a while. Until, until, until JT got <laughs> – I think it was still their second longest. Yep, yes. yep. So, so, but but anyway, all that to say, I think like I'm not making any final decisions on Bernard Ryman, obviously right now. But I I think all Colts fans should be far more optimistic now. Whether you're you you see yourself as really optimistic or more pessimistic on Bernard Ryman, you should be more so optimistic now than you were at the start of this offseason because he had a good offseason, he had a good training camp, he had a solid preseason. And now, now comes comes yeah, the game. So it carries comes, over exactly. Then now the stuff matters. So we'll we'll see exactly what he can do. But he graded out well in the preseason. I think there is reason, Mike, to be to be optimistic about uh, the the state of the left tackle. Not that it's an all pro state, but that it is a stable state. And that is something we have not been able to say for a little bit since Costanzo. Yep, was here. It's funny how you you, you don't appreciate Costanzo until he's not here. Ten he, years, you know? no Pro Bowls. But Dad Gummit, you would have taken him back in so a second. Good. I used to argue in the locker or in the press room about the most indispensable Colt lineman. Yeah, Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly said, No, it's it's a left tackle. Mm -hmm. If the left tackle doesn't work, the offensive line doesn't work. You you can you know, losing Ryan Kelly will hurt, especially with Danny Penner out. You know, and losing Quentin Nelson will hurt. 
But we've seen because right now, who's the backup left tackle? Uh, Arlington Hambright. Probably. Maybe. Yeah, it might be him. So, but so you just in. <laughs> That's still an issue. The offensive line is an issue because of the depth. Unless these guys all play 17 games, which they did that like in 2019. Right. When they all played. The crazy, which, crazy. It year. happens once every 20 years. Once in a blue moon, which we just had last, uh, last night. Somebody's going really? to get a rolled well, ankle. Yeah, we or, there we go. Super but blue Danny moon. Pinner, he's down the field and he gets rolled up and he yeah. breaks his ankle and he's done for the so hard. So hard when you're in the trenches there. So, but but that, that's the thing. And I, I, I'm encouraged by the offensive line. We'll see. We were kind of encouraged last year not to this level because oh, they, they took every snap and this, that, and the other, and then they were not very good. No. But I, I, I was encouraged because keep in mind that they threw Ryman out there last oh, year. Yeah. He was – it was Denver, mm-hmm. national TV. Short week. And short yeah. week. Yeah. He, they didn't Jeez. practice, and he was coming off an ankle injury. So I, I'm very encouraged. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. And, and I, I'm eager to see what happens. It's not like, ooh, I'm dreading to see what happens. It's, it's I'm eager to see what happens with him. So um, a lot of decisions that Chris Ballard had to make uh, over the past week, along with Shane Steichen and the coaching staff and the front office and all that for uh, solidifying this 53-man roster. Um, maybe one of the biggest surprises on, on this uh, on the roster, Chap, was the fact that they uh, let Darius Rush go, the fifth-round cornerback, and they kept seventh-round draft pick Jalen Jones instead. Um, it's something that Ballard kind of it talked uh, quite a bit about um, on on Wednesday of this week, uh, just alluding to something that he had talked a, a couple months ago after the draft, saying that he had one scout that was just banging the table for Jalen right. Jones over and over again, and he finally like, fine, we'll draft him. And, and he was right, is what Chris Ballard said. He thinks Jalen Jones could be a real good player, and the fact that he has played as well as he had, Jones has, is the reason that they cut Darius Rush. Now Darius Rush with the Kansas City Chiefs, because because you, you know that he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna stay there. Right. At least you certainly didn't think. You fall, right. thought that that's a prime candidate for someone to take on waivers, and they did. So so he's gone to gone to Kansas City with the world champions. I guess you can't really sneeze at that if you're Darius Rush. You know, uh, going from from the Colts, a team that you is a. A, uh, a building team right, right. now at best. <laughs> a we'll, polite we'll way of putting it. That. That's, yes, exactly. that's what we'll call it. <laughs> to, to, uh, to the Chiefs, who, who are the reigning world champions and have, has, have aspirations to win every year that Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback. So um, so uh, that, that was kind of the biggest takeaway for me from, from the roster. You, you agree? Anything else yep. that stood out to you cutting down to 53? No, because somebody said, well, why, why did, you, did you cut or wave Darius Rush? He said Jalen Jones. Right, directly. And, and, mm-hmm. that's, and that's one where, you know, you, you trust your scouts – you know, during the process pre-draft, and you you're confident you got things lined up, and then you get them on the field, and, and then you just see mm-hmm. that one guy wasn't to the level you thought he was, and the other guy who you like you said they, they were high on they were high on Jones from the start, but not as high as they are now. So that that's encouraging. It's still it's still so nervous that they've got one proven corner. In, in Kenny Moore, and, yeah. and, and he's a nickel. Yeah. You know, and da- Dallas Flowers was a kick returner until December. So it, it, it's, it's, it, it, it's anxious. This is the passing league, and uh, but that's where they are, and that, that's still an area. We, we knew it was going to be an area of concern, and it is. Yeah, if we stay with corner for a second, uh, still, uh, Matt, uh, Ballard also talked about how much he loves Tony Brown because he's the other player that, that you would think, oh, maybe they cut Tony Brown. They yeah, have room for he, both of them. Very valuable special teams. It's valuable special teams. He talked about how much he loves his competitiveness, his fire, how everyone in the locker room loves Tony Brown, and also – like if Kenny Moore goes down, he's your backup slot yeah, guy right, right now. Like, like, and we we've seen how how uh, how 
Well, last year wasn't Kenny's best year, but when Kenny's at his best, if he if he goes down, that that's a big loss for the team. So um, so to not have a backup. For Nick, Kenny, Cro- Nick Cross might be a possibility as a nickel right there, but 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 still it. You you need backups. You just you need backups. Credit to Chris Boward again saying that uh, the uh, talking about Nick Cross the other day too, saying that he probably set the expectations too high. It wasn't quite uh, Chuck Pagano calling Malik Hooker Ed Reed in right. the opening press conference, but but he th- he thinks he he felt that he set the expectations for a twenty year old draftee Nick Cross a little bit too high. Did he not start the first game, second game? I don't believe so. I thought like he be, might have started he, or, one or game. Or he played a lot of a plot and, and but, then he just then, didn't. I, I think he did, and then he just. And then Rodney Thomas was better than expected, too. He's a seventh-round draft pick out of Yale. He comes in, and all of a sudden, he's pretty solid there on the back end. And so he's playing, and Nick Cross is not. So everyone's like, what the heck? And uh, and Chris Chris ate a little crow with that, saying, like, you know what? I was wrong. Like, I shouldn't shouldn't have pumped him up the way I did. I was excited to get him, but with a 20-year-old, like, it takes time with those guys. You know, and sometimes that's on us as as fans and analysts. It's never on us, Matt. It's never (laughs) on me. It's never on Chad. You speak for yourself over there. (laughs) Because, you know, guys have expectations, and you think, oh, they traded up to get this guy. He's really young. He's got great speed. He's going to be great immediately. Sometimes it does take a guy a year or two to – work his way in and, and we want this immediate gratification and it's not always there well, Mike you talk about depth and I can tell you one position where the Colts do not have any depth <laughs> and Matt's already laughing about it and that is wide receiver you know four, why? They got four guys you have four guys and at one point you had three guys on your 53 and there was a reason roster. but yes, was, yes. yes but it was still funny but it was it was <laughs> it was hilarious like I, I was like I, like I was envisioning and I tweeted this out there a five wide tight end set with all five of the Colts tight ends out there in the uh, in empty formation and Anthony Richardson in the backfield like I still want to see it and actually talking with uh with Mo Alley Cox today in the locker room he made a joke about having four tight he, he might actually have a four tight end uh, set out yep. there if they have four tight ends on their active game day roster. So that would be fun. I, I would lo- I would personally love it because they have some unique tight ends, guys. That can and Granson, really... is, he's that hybrid. Yes. He's almost a receiver. Yes. So, But, like but they... still, four receivers and two of them are slot guys. Right. With so it, it's really – that's an area. I, again, I – this is all. This needs to be all about making things as easy as possible for the rookie quarterback. Just not, not doing and it. And you're not doing it. You know, running back and tight end, fine. That that groups groups what it is. But wideouts again, it's it's just you're asking a lot from right now. For there'll be a fifth, and they've got like three or four guys on the practice squad. So and, and these guys use the practice squad as well as anybody as far as elevating players, but. There's just some areas you just want to shake your head at. Yeah, DJ Montgomery, Amari Rogers, Juwan Winfrey, all on the practice squad right now uh, as the Colts uh, get ready for this first week, next week of the NFL and, season. And don't, don't forget Mr. Strawn. And Mike Strawn. On there as well. Excuse me. Yes, Strawn. Yeah, yeah, fine. Okay. I, I, I'm past. I'm past. No, I, I, I thought like, somebody might try to nice, take nice a flyer guy. on him. I, like, I, oh, I love talking it, to him every time I have in the locker room. But, but at some point, his presence it's, on it's the like, Exactly. Now. Yeah. Well, no. Like when's it going to be? So, like, if, if he turns things around and all of a sudden uh, rises from the practice God squad to, exactly, to Pro Bowler, you can prove me wrong, and I will eat crow. This Don't is going to be a Pro Bowl. It's going to be 20 catches. Exactly. That would be fantastic, 20 catches from, from Mike Strawn this year. But um, so, so, yeah, uh, that's where they are at wide receiver right now. you got Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, Isaiah McKenzie. Those are your four. And, I like, I'll, I'll say this for, for that makeup. Um, usually – in years past, if you have five or six guys on the 53-man, one of them would be inactive perhaps right. throughout the week, and another guy would be mainly a special teams guy. 
So, so there's like it, it's not it's not ludicrous to have four guys on the on the roster. Uh, I, I think it's it's unusual for so sure. It, it's Dallas never done it, and, and and it leaves you with very little depth uh, at this time. And and if you have five wide sets, then it leaves you with very little flexibility in terms of. Uh, in terms of what you have and what guys are are able to step in with, with their specific roles in, in those areas. So like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's a good thing. I'm not trying to say it's a normal thing, but I don't think it's a ludicrous thing. Three was, was crazy for a second, but as Chris Ballard explained, they were doing some roster mechanics with that. They had to get Jelani Woods onto the, the uh, injured reserve, and then they brought back Isaiah McKenzie. Well, it, was, it was a waiver guy. They were bringing in three waiver guys. Yeah. So they needed room. And they, again, just to explain to people, they didn't waive Isaiah Rogers. He wasn't exposed to waivers. They released him. Right. They probably said, again, go down and have dinner. We'll have you back here in two hours. <laughs> so they knew they weren't going to lose him. Right. You put, you know. You Isaiah would, McKenzie. You, you said, said you Isaiah said, Rogers. Isaiah Rogers. Yes. Oh, but I haven't got Isaiah McKenzie. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. I was just uh, waiting to say. But, but again, that's, it's, it's, they knew they weren't going to lose McKenzie because mm-hmm. they were bring, bringing him back. But uh, still forward to uh, it's unusual that that happens to us this time of year. You know, all, all these all names, the names are well, it's together. spaghetti in the head. Right I mean, now. They, they have another Isaiah that they're putting on a ro- on the roster as well. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, you know, it, it happens. It's it's no big deal. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, I I saw that yesterday, and and I'm like, what? They they released McKenzie. They only had four right. wide receivers, and I right. I mean, I I know what they were doing, but still, it's it's kind of funny. Yeah, the uh, the player they named they they added their uh, Isaiah Land, a defensive end slash linebacker from Dallas, and I think with the Colts. I don't think he's going to be a defensive end. Like he, um, even though he was more so in college at Florida A and M. Go Rattlers! Strike, strike, strike again. Um, he he was he's like 215 pounds, and he's like 6'3", 215, 220. Like that's not defensive end in the NFL. Maybe if you are in a three four, you can play the outside linebacker. So they a bit they there. generously list little. him as six four, two thirty five, yeah, which no. is not zero percent chance. No. Zero. No. That's like listing me at two hundred and thirty five right. pounds, or uh, or certain other. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into Don't that. Go down that rabbit exactly. hole. No, 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 no. Not not gonna go down that rabbit hole at all. Um, but but I, I I also will say. Like from my time in Tallahassee, Florida, like I, I follow still follow plenty of people in the media down there, and Isaiah Land was a game wrecker at FCS level, MEAC or SWAC. Uh, I think they moved to the SWAC actually recently, Florida A&M. Um, so he had 19 sacks as a junior in 2021. So like if you wanna if you wanna d- dip down into that pool, like Chris Bauer has said in the past, of of lesser competition, whether it's FCS, whether it's D2, D3. Like it needs to be an, an elite guy at he that level. He needs to dominate his and, and dominate, level. And he did. And Isaiah Land dominated. And people in Dallas, as you're looking at it, like we're we're not happy that the Cowboys cut him, um, right. that, that he wound up on the waiver or, or waived him, that, that he wound up on the waiver wire because they wanted him on the roster. He had a good preseason. Like he was making plays. So if he's going to come here to the Colts and you see exactly, well, what can he do? Um, well, he's going to be a linebacker for you that is behind Shaquille Leonard, obviously, and Zaire Franklin and everybody really there right now. You'll throw him on special teams, and uh, he might even be inactive, and you'll just try to develop him uh, right. and, and see, see what he can do after a year, after a, a year and a half. And I, I think that's a name that will be more relevant next offseason than it is right now, but it's still a name to, to at least uh, keep your eye on. Also claimed offensive tackle Ryan Hayes from Miami and offensive guard Josh Sills from Philadelphia. So, Chap, I think those are uh, unsurprising moves that, like you had said, you had tweeted, you had written in your stories online that, that the offensive line needed to have some kind of bolstering throughout the waiver claim process, and they went out and got a couple guys there. You just wish that it had more experience or some experience. 
but teams don't get rid of experienced linemen. Exactly. They just, they just don't. They hang on to them. Right. Yeah. And now the Colts are at a place where, where I mean, they're, they're starting offensive line. You can make a case that you like it. I mean, it's Ryman, who I've already talked about uh, very well this uh, this podcast. Quentin Nelson, former All-Pro. Ryan Kelly, pro bowler. Uh, Will Fries. And then Braden Smith, uh, who, who you really like uh, over there at, at, at right tackle if you're the Colts. So you, you have at least four guys, I think, that fans could optimistically feel really, really good about uh, on that line if you choose to be of that ilk. I know sometimes I'm not the most optimistic person. You guys who have listened to the podcast uh, know, know, know that for sure. I will, I will give you uh, the, the, the bleaker side of things. I'm not afraid to do that. But... Um, but if you go beyond that, Mike, if you go beyond those five guys, like there's, there's, there's very little, there's very little veteran presence on this roster that you can say if somebody goes down injured, you know what, that's not the end of the world because we can fill Danny Pinter in right, right here. You know, we could fill a couple years ago, they were going back and forth uh, between Mark Lewinsky and Chris uh, Reed, and Chris Reed, uh, a veteran offensive guard who stepped in and really they, they didn't seem there, to miss it, a beat. There was, there was no like, drop you, off. You don't even have a guy right now like a Joe Wrights who has played in the league for Joe six Hague, years. Joe Hague, on and on, yeah, correct. Like, like you, you don't, like if a backup ever comes in, it's always going to be a step down from your starters. But there there is nobody right now that you can look at at their track record in the NFL because they have no track record record in the NFL and, and that's what we talked about with with this roster the concerning thing is the the level of depth I mean you, you, everybody has depth you got 53 players and 16 or whatever on the practice squad but but you, you're going to get guys hurt and, and it, it on this team almost at every position if you lose a major guy it, it's really debilitating maybe we were talking maybe the only position that that's not the case is quarterback you know, because, you know, Minshew has played. Minshew has been, you know, different levels of successful. But the other positions, well, although running back now, holy smokes, you go from one, you know, number three guy to another number three guy. Uh, but it, it's that, that's what's alarming is that, is that the, the reliable, proven depth is lacking. And that's one thing that they always used to have their roster was a strength. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case now. Yeah, it's somewhat ironic, Matt, that uh, the most important position on the field quarterback is maybe the position that would be best off if the starter, right. knock on wood, uh, gets hurt. This no, year. You're, you're not wrong. I mean, they do have, uh, they've got Minshew back there. And I mean, Ellinger's not bad as a third quarterback if you've got to use him. You can so, do a lot worse. <laughs> he has go, NFL starting experience. He has some experience. I, I mean, I know it didn't go the way that he would have liked and the team would have liked, but. You know he's got a little bit of moxie to him, so it's it's not it's not awful. Yeah, um, you, you look up and down this roster at the reserves, and I was talking. Chap and I were discussing this uh, earlier when we were out watching practice. Like the the, pla- the place that you feel best about their um, uh, the, the the depth. Like you think defensive line, you have some experience there. You know you bring in Taven Bryan from from Jacksonville and on the interior. Um, but but th- but if you're going to him more often, that means. You lose DeForest Buckner, or you, or you lose Grover Stewart. You know, so you lose one of your best players. Sure, the floor for some of the, the the backups on the defensive line is higher, but that means you're going down from players that you think are, are really really good and will be key to your success this but year. But you've got a Tyquan Lewis. Yes, you, you do. You've got Dio, and you've got and, uh, Samson who we really haven't seen, seen much, much of. Yeah. So so I, I do like six or seven deep, and you, if you get that in much deeper than that, then any team is going to have trouble. Right. So, but, but, you know, safety, you've got not a lot of depth, really. So it's just, 
tight end, I guess. I, I guess. So they, they've got some guys there, um, and like you said, defensive line. I think they're they're okay. And quarterback, they do have some depth, but everywhere else, it's kind of a crapshoot. Linebacker, I'm okay with mm-hmm. because yeah, you play so much. Yeah, you do have some guys there. You only normally have two guys out there, and yeah. if if Shaq's back, if Shaq's back, and he he was he's still in concussion protocol, but he did not have his red jersey on today, which generally is a sign. That's the last day. It's the last. It's the last, last step. step. Him and EJ Speed, by the Correct. way, both of them. Correct. So, but we'll see. I mean, no one should expect Shaq to be Shaq in September. I, I mean, it's right right out of the gate, he's got he's got to get his confidence back. Mm-hmm. He just does. Uh, but you, you know, as long as he's a top tier linebacker, then then the the rest will come. Mm-hmm. So, and again, I I don't mind those. And then you know, Grant Stewart's just a he just. He's just he, he's, he's a just, missile on special teams. He is, and, just and, a and, missile. and that's what you need. You need guys who are a little bit crazy. <laughs> and but but he he had to have a zillion tackles in, in preseason. But I'm not too worried about linebacker. Well, the Colts have named captains for this year as we uh, turn toward the finish here for the uh, Colts Blue Zone podcast. Seven players. Uh, Shane Steichen uh, told the the team it would be just the top seven guys in vote getters. We're not worrying about offense, defense, special teams, all that. Just the top seven guys who get votes. And, and six of them have been Colts captains before. You got uh, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, DeForest Buckner, Shaquille Leonard, Zaire Franklin. Go Orange. And uh, Kenny Moore. All six of them have been captains before along with 21-year-old rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson. That speaks volumes. Yeah, I, I, think th- I thought that was huge, mm-hmm. reading that. Yep. Um, this isn't a popularity contest. No, it's, it's not. It's not. They, they, his teammates have seen something. This is not high school. No. Like, th- th- this is an NFL locker room. If, if, you're not, if you're still working your way up at, at, to earn the respect of the guys in the locker room, they're, they're not going to vote for you. It's just not going to happen. Um, so, so to have him to have him be elected a captain, I think is is significant for yeah. sure. And again, yeah. like you said he's twenty one, and we talked to Ryan Kelly; he's thirty. I, I believe he is. Is he the oldest Colt or is I Luke think Rhodes? I, Luke Rhodes is technically the oldest, but okay. not by much. They're both thirty years old. No Colt is thirty one or over, and that I, I I say that knowing that they're moving stuff around a lot on the bottom of the roster right now. So d- don't don't roast me if if that's not the case on but Friday. I thought I saw this week. the average age is like. 24 and a half. Yep. That is just young. Yep. And w- one of the roster novelties that, that I noticed, and it included the, the waiver wires, they've got 14 guys on the roster who were not drafted. That's just incredible that you got that much of your roster. It's probably, I don't know, 28, 29%. Uh, but but it, it just shows you they've got guys who, for whatever reason and circumstances, they've kind of, fought the odds and proven that they're that they're worthy yeah but it's still a novelty to have 14 guys that no one thought was worth drafting it was that's more than a quarter of your roster more than 25 percent and i mean you have first round second round third round fourth round fifth round sixth round seventh round picks all those guys and then to have that many undrafted and in the seventh guys, round you're just you're not throwing darts no. but but you're taking flyers on guys that yeah i kind of like this guy and this and no one saw these guys as that. It's very reminiscent, this roster, of that 2017 roster, the one that Chris Ballard first had when let a lot of veterans go, uh, had a lot of young guys, threw it out there, and let's see what happens. And if, if, you take, if we take this back to our discussion earlier about how Chris Ballard is handling the Jonathan Taylor situation and not extending him because you're 4-12 and last year, maybe this year is 
throwing some young guys out there and deciding exactly who you're going to build on in the future. Because obviously what they have done up to this point over the past six years has not led them to where they wanted to be. And it's because they haven't gotten main pieces right. Quarterback has not been right yet. Left tackle has not been right yet. Pass rusher has not been right yet. So right now, it's a season that is very much a transitional season. That's what it feels like as you look at this roster because it is so similar to that one that was back in 2017. And and I think the fan base will be fine with that as long as you see the quarterback making progress. I I think as as much as it it would be awful and tough to deal with to go three or four wins, I think they might win a few more than that. But as long as you see – well. But, boy, in 2024, when they can add this, when they can add Marvin Harrison Jr., who knows. But as long as you have – as long as you give the fan base hope and and there's a a light where they can see as opposed to what we've been through the last four or five years where there's – it's just recycling and it's the same thing over and over again. And, yeah, Phillip Rivers got him a playoff game. But – so I think the fan base will be okay with that. But you you need to see – the quarterback playing well. You need to see the left tackle playing well. You know, they, they've not gotten that right. Well, maybe in, in three years, they're going to load up and make him, you know, rich beyond his his imagination as a left tackle, which is a good thing. You, you want, you want like, in three years to be paying Bernard Ryman $20 million a year. Plus, yeah, totally. So, so but again, that, that's – we'll see. And and it, it's funny, we, can, we had a real nice talk with Richardson the other day. And his personality comes through, and you hope he is the answer. Uh, it's going to be rough. And, and the one stat that will pound home, and I, I've mentioned, I went back and did the research on rookie Colts rookie quarterbacks. Their overall record is like 35% wins in their careers. And the last rookie Colts quarterback to win the season opener was, have you any idea? Uh, There's been one. Uh, no, I don't. I have no George idea. George Shaw. Okay, I was 1955. So I remember. I remember reading your piece, and I remember 1955. Yeah, but I it's, couldn't it's just incredible. The guy's name. It's just incredible. Yeah, luck. You know, luck was the aberration. Eleven and five, but it's just it's just hard, and that's why we've to come back to what we started at, to not have Taylor and to have a light receiver room. It's just not making things set up well for your rookie quarterback. And uh, the fact that the franchise as a whole has lost, I think it's nine season openers. Or not lost, or not Two, one. They didn't lose last year. Yeah. Yeah. That was a step forward. It was. It was. Exactly. 2013 was, was the last one, one right? Yep. The Raiders, Raiders, when they were still in Oakland. So that's nine, nine, weeks, nine games in a row. Uh, that opening week has not produced a win. And like you said, rookie quarterbacks has uh, not been kind to them. So we will see if Anthony Richardson can the, and the Colts can, uh, can buck history and set this franchise on an optimistic path for the 2023 season next week as the Jacksonville Jaguars come to Lucas Oil Stadium. Fortunately, they are in Lucas Oil Stadium and not in Jacksonville. Because we know There's what happens chance. down there. I have been there too many times. It is the curse of Dave. But we'll get to that later on in the season, and we'll get to the Jaguars game to open up the year next week. Right here They're on the a good Colts team. Zone they podcast. look to be They're a good team. They're be a pretty darn good team. For Matt Adams at Statomatty. Mike Chapel at mchapel51. I'm at Dave at Dave G underscore sports. My name is Dave Griffiths, and we'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.